Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. days of Christmas. I'm your host and gift giver Moose. My gift for you today is the gift of independence and chasing your dream. Allow me to introduce the award-winning and very talented, the lovely Miss Emma Dark. Hello, thanks very much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I don't don't get too many uh, women involved in the horror community to uh, chat to. I mean, aside from, I mean, you get the standard, oh, I played the victim or, you know, the, Mm. the, the standard last girls. But I mean, you're out you're out doing it. I mean, writing, directing, I mean, you're making films. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of strange, isn't it? Because there are lots of women in horror, but you're right, most of them are on the acting side. And it's, yeah, a lot of it on the independent scene is this the stereotypical kind of roles, the scream queen kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, there are a number of women directing films, uh, making films, so... Yeah, there's plenty out there. But yeah, like you said, in the sort of, you know, if you weigh it up, most women are sort of on the acting side. And actually, a lot of the times when I do interviews and things, um, you know, people, they sort of lead in by the acting thing. Whereas for me, I have done it, but it's kind of just something I do on the side compared to the directing and stuff. So, yeah. So you have a role in each of the shorts that I've seen. But yeah. you definitely, I think writing and directing from what I've seen is your passion because you put out some amazing short films. Thanks very much. Yeah. I mean, well, the writing is just something I have to do really as part of it. It's more the kind of ideas and story creation that is more my kind of thing. I don't really like script writing, to be honest. My first film, Season Night, I had a screenwriter on that, Richard Humphreys, um, who's based in Virginia, who is amazing. And that's all That's all he does, really. And uh, he is fantastic at that. But for my second festival film, Sadie Minus 10, there wasn't really much dialogue. So when I wrote the script, it wasn't like I had to do it um, you know, in a really formal way or anything. So, yeah, I managed to get on with that myself. But, yeah, I can't say I particularly like script writing. But, yeah, coming up with the the stories, the ideas, directing, and all the other bits around that. I mean, I always do the production myself as well. I don't produce other people's work. It's, it's a lot of um, 
hassle is an, it's a bit of a thankless task if you're not paid to be honest yeah and i like editing and stuff like that and doing all the marketing materials all the graphics and things and yeah i like the i guess the whole process really but the directing is really the kind of thing i focus on well and selling at minus 10 is a good example of horror lends itself to you don't necessarily have to have a dialogue heavy movie as long as the story is compelling yeah i agree with that and i think also as well with independent film one of the main failings for most people no matter how committed they are how however they really try to do it sound is always really difficult um you know and i've always had good equipment and good good people uh doing the sound and stuff for my films and you know, no matter what you do. I mean, even with Salient, we tried to record on location. I had a professional sound designer and recorder coming along. Um, he had professional equipment, but we just couldn't get the sound, the sound right because he had background noise, planes, cars, things like that. Stuff that wouldn't appear in this other dimension. Um, so in the end, I mean, he must have spent a copious amount of time doing this. He recreated everything in post, so every single sound. And we went and re-recorded, uh, did the ADR and all of um, Alan's dialogue and my dialogue. So that was an incredible amount of work. And uh, yeah, that chap's called Chris Collier of 24 Foot Square. And he was absolutely amazing. And I think he went above and beyond to get that right. Where did the uh, idea for Salient Minus 10 come from? Um, it actually came from a dream. So, I mean, th this happens to quite a lot of uh, filmmakers and writers and stuff like that. You always have things that come from a dream or a daydream or something like that. It was literally just one scene of the main character running across a field um, with a sense of threat going towards a destination. And it was like very sci-fi. And sort of the idea came from there. And it took me about a month to write it. It's kind of based on, you know, when you have days of inspiration, at least it is for me. Uh, yeah, so other people can sit down and write something in a day. Um, I'm not that kind of person, but <laughs> yeah. And obviously there's a lot of retro influences from things I like as well, like the Twilight Zone and that kind of stuff and the Invaders and all of those um, films and TV programs from around that time. I say, because when I was watching it, I got a, like a Stephen King and like Alfred Hitchcock kind of vibe. Okay. In that kind of storytelling, you know, set in that kind of storytelling style. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody said that. Nobody said that today. A lot of people have said things like The Outer Limits, The Twilight Zone, The Amiga Man, um, loads of different things like that, sort of retro things. Black Mirror, even. Quite a yeah. few people have said Doctor Who, early Doctor Who. <laughs> um, I have to say, I, I have watched Doctor Who before. I'm not a mega fan of Doctor Who, and I haven't watched the early Doctor Who. But I did go, when people said this quite a lot, and I thought, oh, is it just because of Alan's outfit? You know, he looks a bit like um, one of the later Doctor Whos, whose name I can't remember <laughs> because I don't I don't watch the later stuff. But um, I went, I did go back, and I watched some older stuff, and I thought, yeah, okay, I can see why they might think this. So I say it does kind yeah. of have that vibe a little bit for some of the... Uh some of the darker episodes yeah yeah exactly exactly so yeah it's interesting to hear uh people's thoughts and what they what they you know kind of associated with really and then there's seize the night which is another take mm -hmm. on the vampire werewolf story yeah which yeah it is 
And I say another, and I don't mean, oh, it's another vampire werewolf story. It's a, a, a different take on, you know, the vampires, werewolves, and how they interact. And it's really good. And I, I know it's a short film, but it is too mm. short. Yeah, that's that's what everyone said. And I, when I when I did that, I did kind of do that with the kind of thought of doing more of like episodes of this so it wasn't just one standalone short but honestly by the time i'd completed that the amount of time effort um you know and i'd been out in the freezing cold i mean we're all in the freezing cold doing this so you can't really uh tell on screen i think there's one bit in the barn scene where Paul, his breath kind of fills the screen and people seem to think he was having a cigarette at that point. <laughs> I can guarantee you he wasn't because it was absolutely freezing cold. And for, for doing that, like I think it was about 10 days we shot that over and out in the freezing cold, honestly, I was so ill after that for months with colds and stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day to do that kind of episodic things it, I can't self-fund that, and nor could I really crowdfund that, to be honest. Um, it would take somebody to come forward with a production budget, like a proper studio and stuff. And it's quite difficult to get that. So I kind of just left it there, <laughs> and I've kind of moved on from the whole vampire thing as well. And what I will say is everybody loves a vampire, and I think if anyone wants to make a vampire film, it's probably a really good starting point because there's such a wide audience that loves anything to do with vampires. Um, but the problem is, and I don't know why, people seem to box you into that. And really, I don't want to be boxed into doing vampire films, which is why I did something completely different with Salient. And the next film I make will be, again, completely different. So, See, in Salient, I'd like to see longer too, because, I mean, that could be... If not a full-length movie, at least a miniseries. Exactly. I think the the problem is that when I come up with that, with these ideas, I kind of think bigger than them being a short. But at the end of the day, if you made it longer, so like somewhere like half an hour, 45 minutes, it would hardly get programmed at all at film festivals. Yeah. So you've, you've got to weigh up between, um, you know, what you want to make and making it in a certain time frame and usually the shorter the better so you'll probably find you know if there are shorts that are three to five minutes long they'll get into like a lot more film festivals than longer shorts it's changing a bit now um but yeah once you've put all that time and effort into it you, you want it to be seen so that's why i've kind of kept them at a shorter length but really the next film I would like to make as a feature, but again, it comes down to funding and that is quite difficult. Well, I mean, you've definitely grasped the, uh, leave them wanting more. Yeah. Uh, thank concept. You. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad though, but yeah, well, it's in, in my case, it was good. I mean, it's, you're watching mm. it and it's like, it, it ends on a cliffhanger. You know, you're like, ah, yeah. come on. What's next? You know, it's not yeah. just the, oh, there could have been more to the movie. No, this is a, oh, I need to see more of this. 
Yeah, I think I think it goes two ways. You either get people saying, I really need to see more of that. Are you going to make a feature of that or something like that? And then other people kind of feel a bit robbed, but it's not been completely closed off and all the questions haven't been answered. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of um, a balancing act, really. But, yeah, like I say, I mean, the idea for the next one, I think, would either be to create a short with the intention of taking that to a studio and getting that made as a feature and funded or to the other option is really to make an anthology of short films which i would direct everything and they'd all be interlinked but if i couldn't get the funding then i would just make one short but i'd have the script written to make the whole feature if you know if i could do that the anthology could be fun yeah exactly I, I really think it could be and um i've got some great ideas for that and i think it would be really fun making this um one of the one of the shorts I actually do have in mind, and I have the two leads cast in that already. So that is something I would probably go ahead with anyway, regardless. Um, but I think I do need a couple of ideas in my back pocket. So once COVID and stuff is, uh, well, I would say over, but I don't know if it'll ever be over. But once it's a bit more manageable, um, you know, there are ideas I can move forward with, really. So you've touched on this a couple of times. What are the struggles and mm. the, the the process for people who want to become and join the independent film making circuit well one is definitely funding absolutely because if you haven't got funding you know it's it's you've got limitations of what you can make i mean if you had a zero budget okay you can still make something uh but you've got to think about if you've got other actors involved casting crew you've got to at least have insurance you know, if something goes wrong, you need to make sure you're covered. You need to feed your casting crew and you need to pay their expenses. So travel expenses, any materials they use for your production, that kind of stuff. So you've got to have all of that. Um, you know, if there's a location fee, you've got to have that. And actually, I have to say a lot of the locations, certainly in the UK, they don't seem to have a tiered system. So they'll charge an independent production, you know, with a very small casting crew, where the film is likely to just go on the festival circuit and go on Amazon Prime or YouTube or something, they'll want to charge you the same price that they would charge for the BBC or, you know, a big production company like Warner Brothers or something. So it's quite difficult to get locations for actually a reasonable price as well. So I would say, yeah, budget is a major struggle. For a lot of people, promotion is a struggle. I don't think it's a struggle for me because... I do have some marketing experience, um, you know, obviously I can design and stuff as well. So that's something that's easier for me. But for a lot of people, they don't know where to start. So that's a struggle for them. And, um, yeah, I mean, getting the recognition, like submitting to the right festivals, finding the kind of festivals that will like your kind of work, get it shown um, and hopefully win some accolades for your casting crew. So, yeah, it is, it's difficult. And it, it just takes a lot of time and effort, money, and you've got to have a lot of stamina for all. You know, there, there are a lot of things where, you know, you're going to submit to festivals, they're going to say no. You're going to try and get it in certain um, magazines and stuff. They're going to say no, or they just won't reply. And you've got to have a bit of a thick skin, really, about it all. What got you interested in filmmaking to begin with? I mean, you just wake mm -hmm. up one day and say, I want to make movies. Um, not exactly. So, uh, in terms of horror and sci-fi, I've pretty much liked those genres my whole life. 
Um, and prior to all the filmmaking stuff, I used to do a lot of photography um, and have a lot of creative interests and do uh, sort of fine art portraiture and stuff like that. So I've always been creative. And then I joined a photography club in London as a photographer. And when I joined, they assumed I joined as a model, which, to be honest, I wasn't, you know, um, that was good. I wasn't going to say no. So I went and did loads of modelling. And I did that for quite a few years, actually, and um, ended up modelling for various catalogues and designers and stuff like that, which was great because it was something I'd actually always wanted to do since I was a teenager. And um, off the back of that, I ended up in a few music videos, one of them being a Kim Wilde music video. And it was while I was doing that. I mean, obviously, the modelling stuff is cool. You get some great images. Um, it's fun being on set, doing different things and stuff like that. But you're not the creator. The photographer's the creator. And it had been a long time since I'd been involved in the creative process. And when I started doing these music videos, I thought... I would like to do something like this myself. And then I ended up going to Frightfest, which is a big festival in the UK. And um, for a couple of friends' websites, I ended up interviewing a load of filmmakers and actors and stuff there for um, some video things they wanted. And that's at the point I decided, okay, the mod is great, but let's have enough for this for now, you know, and I would like to make a film. And then I just decided to make Seas the Night. And just going completely at the deep end. Definitely a nice uh, route to follow. I mean, it, it seems there's always been a camera involved. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, there, there has always been. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing photography for a long time, really. Uh, I wouldn't say like I'm an amazing photographer or anything like that, but it's something that's gradually led into this. So, Have you always been a horror sci-fi person or is that just... So sci-fi came first. Uh, literally, I was watching like Star Trek, the original series at age two. And named my first like soft toy after uh, one of the characters. So yeah, I'm a bit of a geek. And then the horror thing it kind of came a few years later. So the first kind of live action horror type thing I watched was *The Sword and the Sorcerer* by Albert Pune, which is a fantasy film, but it's a dark fantasy. And if you watch the opening sequence, it is, it is like pretty full on horror. And it was yeah from that point really that it kind of got me into horror and you know as the years went by I mean I was a massive reader of horror fiction and stuff like that and then I got more into the horror films and I mean I like both things I like sci-fi and horror but I think for me I like the kind of the darker aspect so if it was sci-fi I'd like more of a darker sci-fi sort of that like dystopian yeah exactly exactly do you have any tips for anybody who Say I wanted to go out and make a movie. Uh, what tips mm -hmm. would you offer me to uh, start down my journey? I would say you don't have to do what I did and launch into quite a big production with a large cast and crew with no real experience. You can literally start out with your mobile phone. And now I was very against mobile filmmaking. I thought it looked quite terrible unless you're, you're a professional with like a really fancy lens kit and stuff like that. And it's a different story. But um, having done a mobile shot film now i would say with the level that phones are now you could go out just yourself think of a story that will work with just you shooting it or you can even shoot yourself in it which is possible to do it might take a few takes to get it right but you can do it and see what you can create with your phone 
Um, you know, and there are uh, like free editing suites. DaVinci Resolve is free now. So there are different ways of ways of doing this. And you can get stock music even. Just something to start you off. But if you're doing it just with yourself, you're not going to need insurance or paying for anything else. And you're using equipment you've got already. You know, why not try something? Well, and that kind of leads into you were recently part of an anthology series this yeah. year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the isolation horrors. So that that was put together by a chap called Nikolai Cornham, who I have to say is absolutely amazing. He's a really good all-rounder, really good filmmaker. And um, he came up with the concept for the rap. So he'd be calling... He'd find um, a bloody face mask outside of his house and he'd call around his friends who in the film live locally to his street and he'd ask them if, you know, is anything going on kind of thing. And then each individual short was completely down to the uh, set, to the individual filmmaker to come up with what they wanted off the back of that. And um, I think he did a really good job of putting that together. And I did a very short short. I think it just uh, comes in under two minutes with a kind of like Japanese horror influence because I went to Japan last year for a month and... Yeah, I just wanted to put that kind of influence in. And yeah, like I said, it was all shot on mobile phone. So it was a learning experience for me. And I'm quite pleased with the end result. And actually everybody in that anthology had to shoot on a mobile device. So Nikolai shot on his iPhone. And uh, I think everybody else either shot on their phone or an iPad. So. so it was very well put together. Yeah, I think so. I was I was quite surprised by how well it came out. I think it looks great. And I, it's a shame it hasn't got a bit more recognition, really. It'd be great if it got a few more views on YouTube. Your, your uh, short short is, mm. I mean, it's direct to the point and it's, yeah. it, it's very interesting. I mean, I, yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but it, it is kind of chilling. It, it's, you, you don't expect that for something so short. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I mean, I was trying to really capture that feel that a lot of Japanese horror has, which is like the almost like the traditional lady in white, very uh, chilling. Yeah, I mean the the stuff is quite terrifying that I've seen uh, Japanese horror wise, and I wanted to try and capture that. I mean, obviously, it was in lockdown. I shot it by myself and everything like that, so I had to also play the Japanese character, which wasn't ideal. And shooting that end bit, I, for some mad reason, I also decided to shoot all in one small room. So shooting that end sequence was pretty difficult. And that's something I would have liked to have done differently. But, you know, I had already kind of blocked everything out and there wasn't much else I could do at that point. Well, you pulled it off. Thanks very much. Um, so do you have any upcoming projects in the next uh, year or so that you want to talk about or? The two ideas that I want to take forward to get prof uh, professional funding from a studio or to attempt to crowdfund, but that won't be until way after the COVID-19 stuff because I've seen people filming everything now and that's great, but personally, I don't want to take that risk, especially with all the, you know, the COVID-19 infection no. count rising and everything. So I think what I would do in between times, I do do have another couple of ideas for mobile shorts. So I might possibly do one of those. Also, I might just focus on some like sort of creative pieces. So I don't know if you've seen from my social media, but I went and madly bought two uh, life-size uh, 
the dolls, one Annabelle and one um, Billy the puppet from Saw. So I was thinking of kind of doing just some creative pieces around that. Not fan films, but just sort of nice kind of video portraits that have that feel about them. So just something to keep my kind of creativity up while we go through this period. Just to keep the juices flowing? Yeah, exactly. And to try different camera techniques and different, um, you know, different setups and stuff like that, uh, different editing techniques, that kind of thing, stuff that I can take forward into my next festival film. That's why I do all these little things. Well, it's definitely a good time to uh, practice and try the, like you said, try the different techniques and hone the craft. And I mean, exactly, you can't go wrong. Yeah, because it's fine when you're writing a script or a story and you start thinking of these things in your head. And what I find is when it comes to the crunch point, you're on location, you've got a minimum like amount of time to shoot something in. Uh, sometimes you've got the, the person who's looking after the location standing over their watch, you know. You find that the effects and stuff you want to achieve that you've got in your mind, that you've written, that you've even discussed before, you just can't do them. So that's why I think doing these kind of like little test pieces is really important. But then if I'm going to do them and spend the time doing them, then I want to make it about something interesting when I put it out there. So, Oh, that's the key. I mean, it's that fine line you have to walk. It's you you want to put out Mm. something interesting for people to ingest, but you also have to, you also want to put out something that's true to what you envisioned. So it's, yes, you, you have to put out what, you want to put out, but also make sure that somebody else wants to watch it too. Exactly, exactly. Which is, you know, that's that's part of the thing. So if you if you go down a feature route, it's got to be commercial, really, because if you're going to put everything into that, say if I crowdfunded something and I had all of the casting crew working on it, they're putting all their time and effort in. At the end of the day, you want that film to be seen. So if it's going to be seen, it has to be distributed, which means it has to be sold. And now that doesn't mean you're really going to get anything back for it because most of the time when people um, sell films that they've made in that way, they just they don't get anything back. They might even break even if they're lucky. It's about getting the commercial angle to get it oh, down yeah. that point in the first place. Well, let's say in features and stuff like that, it's all about return. and mm. Yeah, at least for the distributors. <laughs> Yeah, that, <laughs> rather than the filmmaking. Yeah. That's why I like independent films. It's it, it's about the passion. It's about the project. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah, not exactly. so much about the cash grab. It's definitely more yeah. about the. Yeah. I'm setting out. I want to make a movie. This is what I want to make. This is what I want to put out. Mm-hmm. This is my project. Exactly, and it's about the satisfaction of that. But then also, if you get out and it does really well then someone's going to approach you, hopefully, with a script, and you're going to get paid to come and direct that. So, it's you know, that's that's the goal, really, yeah. to be a, a working director. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, there are other routes to this. You can do corporate video. You can do behind-the-scenes extras and stuff like that, and you will get paid for that and have a stable income. But it's not the same as making your, your own feature film. Yeah, but where's the fun and all that? Yeah. At least exactly. with your own stuff, you get to have fun. And at the end of the day, it's yeah. that's mine. Yeah. You know, that was exactly. my vision, my dream. Yeah. And then hopefully people like it. And if not, to hell with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always feel quite bad 
for films that don't do well, even even big budget productions, because I know that there are people that are going to have been on that production that have put so much into that, you know. And I always feel really bad when something um, doesn't do as well as, uh, you know, the casting crew have hoped. Yeah. Well, and especially nowadays where everyone just rails on something. It's like... Oh, yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, everyone went out they didn't set out to make a crap you know a, a movie that's gonna bomb mm, exactly you know they, they didn't wake up and say hey let's make a bomb yeah you know it just it happened so exactly just let it ride move on to the next one you know yeah i always find you know th- these films that don't do particularly well there's always something in there that's good Oh yeah, um, the, the, so there's know. always some takeaway. The, yeah, the, the, there's usually some redeeming aspect. Exactly, exactly. You know, so I try not to be harsh. And if if I watch something and um, and I, I don't think it's particularly good, then I don't usually post about it. I only usually post about the things that I like because I just think it's a bit unfair. Like you said, people work their asses off to. Yeah. You know, produce and you know produce that project. And who are we to say that you know it it was terrible? And just like, just okay, you didn't like it. Move mm-hmm. on. Exactly. Exactly. You you have that ability to just oh I don't like this. Next. Mhm. It's that simple, yeah. guys. Absolutely, I agree. So. For things that people can like, because I strongly suggest that everyone watches your stuff, because it is, like I said, I think amazing. Thank you. Where can my listeners find your videos and more information about you? Well, the easiest thing is if they just go onto my website, because I've got all the links off there, off of that. I've got all the information on there and everything. So that's emmadark.com. And listeners, that link will be in the episode description. You can find me on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Emma, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much for having me. And until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. If you enjoyed today's episode and you don't lose that spirit, come back tomorrow for another of Moose's 13 horrifying days of Christmas. Or Krampus will come for your soul. <laughs>